You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Corey, coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried over in Texas. we got Josh, Josh Fredland over in the moderator role, hanging out in the comments, so be sure to hit him up with any of your thoughts or abuse during the show. <laughs> guys, how are you? How was your week? Okay, so... <laughs> We we finally found a place to live because we, as mentioned, a week or two, I don't know, that we were moving. Um, sucks, you know, sucks to suck. Moving sucks, as uh, as Liam will attest, um, and, and as you will attest too, Corey. But, uh, you know, it's, it's near where the birds frolic, the spring bats of uh, spring baseball crack against uh, the uh, – you know, the ball in the air. Yeah. That, that, that sounded like an attempt to be poetic, but you just gave up. <laughs> yeah. Like halfway but, through. Yeah. yeah, right. A crack of the bats as they hit the ball over the left field line. There we go. Done. Better. Well, oh see, you yeah. started out with birds, and then I you said bats, and I'm thinking, you know, the, like, flying rat things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, golly. Dude, anyway. One, Liam, yeah. hey, what's going on, man? Uh, it's, it's going pretty good. And like Aaron said, you know, moving sucks, but I've been in my new apartment now for about a week, and it's a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of stress off my shoulders. Uh, this past weekend, uh, the Houston Sabercats were on a bye, but that doesn't mean I wasn't busy. I got to go up to Dallas uh, with Paul Emmerich and the West Houston Lions, and uh, I saw them take on the Dallas Reds. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it was a pretty tough loss, 71-26, to but I got to see some of the, uh, yeah, I know, right? But well, luckily, it's, it's it's Darren Morris, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Darren Morris. So, yeah, right? no, he, yeah, exactly. But um, like, but, but what was great though was a lot of uh, Sabercat Academy players, as well as uh, Joe Kelly um, and Matt Almeida, uh, were featured on the roster, as well as Kieran Farmer at fullback. So they all got some pretty valuable minutes on the bye week. Uh, you know, despite the tough loss. Now get out there and get the work done. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to say that my wife and I and both our dogs survived the polar vortex. So, uh, thank God had... your dogs are okay. Oh, yeah, you right. You didn't have to eat them. You didn't have to. Didn't have to eat them. They didn't become popsicles out in the backyard. It was fine. I think the uh, lowest temperature I saw in town here was negative 24, which was pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. You got the bread and uh, so, milk, though. <laughs> we did. I, I fought off an old woman. I actually beat her skull in to get that last loaf of bread. Jesus, man. <laughs> you, you might, no you, you might want to find a safe house or a close relative because you're probably wanted for murder. <laughs> Just killed a man with a trident. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So on that note... For those of you new to the podcast, we don't always quote uh, excellent movies from uh, 15 years ago, but sometimes we do. And uh, when we're not, we are talking about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. 
Uh, it gives us a chance to check out the issues, talk about game recaps, uh, hear from the league, its players, coaching staff, and just kind of check in with our friends from across the country and the U.S. rugby scene. So with all that said, Aaron, I think you want to fill us in on what we got coming up this episode. All right, we're going to head down back to memory lane of, you know, a couple days ago. And uh, Utah uh, picked up a win against Austin at Dell Diamond. Nola beat Glendale. Man, that was a good dream. And then San Diego Legion defeated the Hurricane and the Sea Wolves in San Diego. The USA Eagles romp uh, Los Condores, the Chile Rugby. Del Ruby or something? I don't know. Um, Union Del... Yeah, whatever. Uh, and uh, Victor, you know, we need your help, man. <laughs> uh, we will uh, cover Uruguay versus Canada uh, in the small portion uh, after we've sort of covered the Eagles. And then we'll uh, you know get into next week's picks. Uh, we all were really bad this week on our picks, by the way. So uh, that, I'm the only one who got any right. No, so. I got one. I got Nola right. So you got Nola. Oh, damn. We're both one and two for this week. Corey is 0 and 3. Oh, yeah. No, I'm killing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. We'll, we'll get to that, though. I'll, I'll gloat a little, bit, little later about my yeah. overall record. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, but, so, Aaron, what, what you're telling us is there is some rugby played this weekend or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's get into that. All right. Well, like you said, uh, Utah picked up a road win this weekend, their first game of the season. They played Austin in Austin. Uh, and this is after they didn't have much of a preseason, so we really weren't uh, sure what we were looking at. But uh, first game, the Warriors come in, and, well, they did pretty well. They beat uh, Austin Elite by 17-9. to And uh, I, I would say, personally, I don't think either of these teams looked like top performers in the league necessarily, but it was still, you know, not a bad not a bad match, and this puts Austin at 0-2 on the season, so that's not great. I don't know. Aaron, what did you see out there? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I give everyone people's, everyone's stick, so uh, I'm not, uh, I guess I'm not foreign to hot takes, but I would say Austin has been in the two lowest quality games of uh, the season so far. The first one against the Sabercats and second one against Utah. Uh, the refing in this, uh, whether it was the center ref or the ARs, uh, you know, they Austin would have got a bo- got a bonus point loss here if they called the clearly, uh, you know, clearly made penalty from Timothy Guillemon, but uh, they some for some reason waved it off. I, yeah. Okay, so wait, I wasn't crazy in thinking that was a, a made freaking penalty kick? Uh, Nobody's talking about this, I feel like. I mean, there, Brian Ray was, so somebody was talking about it. I mean, what's all that about? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, so that, that, that caused some, I mean, so a shout out to the AER supporters group. Uh, they're, they're a small but mighty group on the Facebook that started a couple weeks ago uh, and they were very perturbed. 
about that. Uh, so back to the game, um, I'm really surprised at what Utah did specifically because their preseason was, you know, two scrimmages. The first one was kind of known to their season ticket holder fan and their fan base against Life West, which was indoors at the RSL Academy, and they sort of played a secret scrimmage uh, against Utah Valley University that we sort of know less about. Um, and then, you know, I know what Austin's trying to do on the attack, but they really need to settle in on their scrum half fly half pairing. Uh, when, I mean, Marcelo Torrealba, he's a good fly half. Um, Michael Romero, he's a good fly half. But you just, uh, I guess the battle of the hinge was discussed in this game. And it's, I guess the battle of the hinge really isn't the battle between, you know, on defense between two. I don't know. It, it made no sense, but just getting your hinge pairing right um, and ha- making sure the chemistry is good is important. And I, I don't think they had that in this game. Um, and it really hurt their tempo. You still see what, again, what they're trying to do, put the ball in play uh, with their feet and gain territory that way. And, you know, play a fast game. It's just, they did not play well. It, it, it just sucked. Um, hey, Utah fixed their lineouts. Uh, welcome, coach's son Logan Daniels, um, to the to the four at Hooker. Uh, he was, I mean, I think their lineout accuracy last year was like fifty five percent, and he only missed one. This one, so uh, you know, quality of play. We've got a long way to go. James Semple, the fly half player coach for Utah, came off at the half. And really wasn't, uh, you know, overall that effective, at least from from my foxhole. Um, uh, you know, Liam's going to talk about Ian Luciano. I think Ian Luciano is, uh, you know, I wouldn't say a huge improvement. He's definitely a different style. I think scrum half was one of the few positions they were, like, competent at last year. And that's really why my opinion is, you know, maybe it's not that huge of an upgrade because I thought they were okay there. So... Well, you, you you know my opinion on that on that subject matter. Um, I think Luciano coming into this squad was that was actually a much uh, bigger improvement than you might say. Uh, I wasn't really impressed with Nichols' play all of last year. I thought he was a really slow scrum half in a lot of respects, and I felt like he kind of ran the offense in a very bland manner. Whereas Luciano was coming in with a much more fastball style of play. Uh, you know, Coach Smitty uh, over over in Boston definitely instilled that him as well as up at New England College, where they tend to run a very very fast tempo. Uh, believe me, I've seen those guys play. Uh, but overall, a lot of the good quality rugby that we saw in this game, um, you know, or the lack thereof, it it took place in the it took place in the first half. I saw U- Utah was coming out with you know the intent to make a statement, and I thought in terms of uh, like the ball in hand, they were much more efficient uh, through the phases than Austin uh, ever was. Austin's their biggest problem, as it continues to be, is shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, particularly with knock-ons and just not retaining possession. Utah definitely wasn't perfect. This is obviously a team that is pretty, uh, is still rusty going into their first game, but they were able to show, you know, a greater degree of chemistry from last year, and that carried in when they were able to operate, at least in that first half, uh, you know, enough to get those 14 points. However, the second half, everybody just seemed to fall off on both sides, and I'm not sure whether or not that's a matter of conditioning or a matter of adjusting schemes uh, against one another in this in this uh, during halftime. But 
like you said, I think both these teams are going to need uh, a lot of work to be done in order to finish games, to stay competitive in the league this year, because especially after the improvements we've seen against, uh, we've seen with NOLA and Houston, there's not going to be a whole lot of bottom of the barrel teams that they're going to be able to beat up on. These teams might find themselves in that bottom of the barrel position, just trying to beat up on each other. So I'd like, I'd really be interested to see how their next matchup this season goes uh, as compared to this one. Fair enough. Aaron, you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, uh, I think both teams really have a long way to go uh, in what they need to do. Um, and, you know, uh, on to the next one. On to the next. Oh, well, how about them NOLA gold, guys? We got uh, – they are at the top of the list right now. Two wins in a row, two bonus points in a row. Can't beat mm-hmm. that. Nope. Uh Yeah. Nola Gold uh, down last year's runners-up, Glendale Raptors, uh, 40-31 to 31 in New Orleans. Um, you know, I have to wonder if uh, it's possible that Glendale took a little bit bigger hit than maybe some of the other teams uh, with the ARC window coming up. I'm not sure. Uh, or maybe Nola's just figured out some sort of, sort of formula that works for them. Uh, either way. The gold uh, brought the win down to New Orleans, which I got to think maybe helps soothe a couple Saints fans that are still licking their wounds down there. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Liam, what do you think, man? Well, like you said, I think the absence of some of the ARC players was definitely significant. Um, you had, uh, I, I believe it was like, you know, Sean Davies is probably the biggest name uh, out of all those that they were actually missing. However, I, I, it wasn't so much his – there might be a greater leadership aspect that they were missing uh, with Davies being gone. However, I just well, – He I, is I, the captain. He, 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 is, the he captain. is the captain. He is the captain. But what I also saw I, – I was editing this game for Fitzy uh, just earlier today, actually. 11 knock-ons by Glendale, by my count. I've said on this they had, program – So I think I need to look at the stats in more depth. They had seven in the first game against Seattle. So, mm-hmm. But it's not just – it's not just knockoffs. It's like in that for I need, I didn't look. It, it, it's it, it's being undisciplined in the breakdown. It's not it's not being able to retain possession without gaining valuable meters. And also, there's been problems in the lineout. I believe I you know I saw you know consciously at least two lineouts stolen by Nola throughout the entire game. There may have even been more, but that's losing valuable possessions. That's like, that's ruining your tempo. They have great playmakers. That nobody's going to deny that about that team, especially when they got people like Mika. They uh, they, and they have people like Honko. Uh, you know, or well, no, Honko was absent for the ARC. Sorry, but regardless, we still saw some of those issues when he when he was playing. Uh, so I don't know what's going on with this Glendale team. Uh, you know, like you said, it could be the missing players. It could just be the fact that uh, other teams are wisening up uh, to, to the system that uh, Coach Williams is playing down there. Now, that's also not a knock against NOLA. Uh, I bet against NOLA two times in a row in the first two weeks and got proven wrong uh, both those times. Uh, you know, they're playing a much faster, much cleaner style of rugby than we saw last year. They're really, really looking like a complete team, probably even more so than some of the other top competitors. Uh, you know, obviously they, uh, they made some good additions, but they also kept some of their core players from last year. Um, I'm seeing greater degree of chem- chemistry every week by these guys, and I don't think it's going to necessarily just stop. I think NOLA, we, at this point, we have to com- consider them uh, some of the top competitors in this league rather than our, our, our uh, initial assumptions that Toronto and Rooney were just going to stroll right into the competition and be dominant. You know, so so one of the things I I don't think teams are necessarily figuring uh, what uh, Glendale is doing out. I think well, 
for the most part, if you look at the way Nola plays, they play very similar, except I would say that they more play more three-dimensional than than Glendale has. Glendale's changed their attack and they made it more wide open, allowing more creativity on the pitch from, you know, their fly half and their scrum half to just get things done, put the ball down. But the difference from from last year, they played a much more rigid system, but the real difference in where they are right now, I don't think if they cleaned up their handling errors, the way this game went, that they would have won like I did last week. But if they clean that up, they will be right where we thought they were going to be because they can play wide open and fast. But let's get to NOLA because, whoa. Um, uh, well, let's let's see. J.P. Eloff, three minutes in, penalty. Then you got a try by Taylor Howden at nine minutes in. Um, you know, the, the, William Munro, the tennis player from – from good old Australia, he responds for Glendale pretty early uh, at 15 minutes with the try, bringing it close. And then, you know, they just sort of trade possessions pretty fast. But at no point did uh, Nola ever really get threatened in this game because they were always able to, to respond to whatever uh, Glendale had. Uh, they played an up-tempo. If you look at the one of the stats to look at, and I was listening to Byron McGuigan last week on uh, the Egg Chasers podcast, and he talked about what uh, Gregor Townsend is drilling into the, the thistle, the Scottish side, and, uh, you know, fast rucks, ruck speed. If you look at their ruck speed in New Orleans, man, they're, they're, playing, they're playing fast ball. Like they are dictating the tempo. They're playing wide. They're playing in a, again, keeping the same multiple attack that they had last year. And one of the things that saw that they didn't have last year is health. They are healthy and they are deep. So it's going to be, and they're getting deeper just to let you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're about to get deeper. Um, but think about this. Um, they lose their top line out threat in Cam Dolan to Eagles camp. Where's, who comes in? You know, uh, John John Sullivan, Billy Stewart are there. Kane Thompson fills in the back um, as the number eight, moving from the back from second row, and and does a really good job there. But you know, Schriffler, he's he just continues to get after it, and then you have guys like Tristan Bluett, who played wing, who played center last week, who's basically a back row. That somehow is a center. Hmm. I don't know. But uh, the, the gold rain, that attack is just getting it done. They're the leading attack in the league this year so far after two games. And they are atop the standings healthily compared to San Diego and Seattle. Uh, like I said, you can sort of see what Glendale's trying to do. Uh, with what they with what they're attempting, but handling errors, chemistry, it's just really weird right now. Robbie Petzer, I thought filled in pretty well for Will McGee. Carlo Denishin, uh he's a he's a guy. He's a young kid that was in the Raptors Academy last year that we didn't see at all. He didn't make the senior side, but for his first start on this kind of a stage. Uh, he, he filled in pretty well for Sean, the, the missing captain, Sean Davies. Um, you know, 
the I think the surprise for the goal for the Glendale was uh, William Monroe, the tennis player. That's that's. I'm just going to call him the tennis player now that I know he was a high-level tennis player in Australia. Uh, but another guy who did a job for Glendale is Nick Johnson. Um, who who thought Nick Johnson, who apparently has the same barber as Alex Tucci? Please, everyone, go look at their hairstyles. They're the exact same. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he put in 70 minutes off the bench in place for an injured Harley-Davidson. But again, look at looking at where the gold is. You have Tim Moppin out injured. Cam Dolan's with the Eagles. Eric Howard is their captain. He's up down. Well, I guess down with uh, in. Well, they're in Brazil now, but it was down with Le Rouge Canada in uh, Uruguay, and Kyle Bailey are also with Team Canada in Uruguay. But guess what? Not a damn problem. But the guy who was selected Player of the Week. The old war horse himself, Taylor Howden, playing. <laughs> you know, he, he just he just does what he does, playing outside center, getting it done, two tries, excellent ball movement. I don't know how he found himself in the positions he was in, and he just got it done. Silver Fox. Gotta All love right. that Taylor Howden. Oh, uh, it is fantastic to see him playing. It absolutely is. So the third game, the third uh, match of the weekend, which, by the way, real quick, before we move on to uh, Legion versus uh, Seattle, have we decided, are we talking weeks or, or um, um, we're calling them weeks, right? I mean, we're, we're calling I, I'd rather them call them weeks, yeah. Um, okay. Tournaments? Tournaments? Have, tournaments rather have than rounds. So tournaments, yeah. have, tournaments have rounds. This is not a tournament. This is a a league, a league season. So we have weeks okay. in America. So week two. Just th- thank you. I just wanted to make sure here. Okay, so week two uh, wrapped up with, well, I guess, I guess it was a game. I don't know. It looked what Aaron you described it as a freaking hurricane. So, uh, so people were complaining uh, about the ball, but if you <sighs> if you look at the pick, I mean, I think the the television coverage showed you how bad it was. But if you look at the pictures and you like whether it was from San Diego Sports Domination or San Diego's internal photos, it was it was horrible. Like I if you look at that and then you go on to radar and you look at that system, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to snow because everything <laughs> was everything was like pink and white, but it it obviously rained. But snow so in San Diego happened, is ridiculous. Yeah, basically what happened is Seattle packed up all the rain that they get throughout the year, brought it to San Diego with them, and just poured it on the field. And here's here's uh, the problem. Here's the problem with like it doesn't give them an advantage because Seattle plays on turf. So and this was grass, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. grass and a lot of a lot of mud. I, I think a few more than a few people had. Ear, ears full of dirt that day. Um, oh so, yeah, and obviously frozen, very, frozen very fingers rainy. is a big, big underrated factor when you're playing in a rain game. Is sometimes, especially if you're in the back row and you haven't had a lot of action in terms of using, you know, your so, appendages. So people are like, "Oh, was it cold in San Diego?" I was like, "Yeah, it's it's 58, and uh, it's California cold. cold. It's it's I mean, cold in San Diego is like 65 and sunny, but there was." I think it rained like five inches just during the game. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, San Diego came out on top, uh, 17-13 over Seattle. So that uh, puts both teams at 1-1 one and one on the season. So, yeah. Aaron, take us away. What, uh, what did you see on the field for so what her, you could see? Her, yeah, what I could see. Lots of water. Uh, hurricane conditions, I uh, need to put the photo up that I, I think of the, the scrum in the rain uh, as our cover photo on Twitter because, man, that was good stuff. Uh, USD is lucky to have a hybrid pitch because if it wasn't hybrid, that thing would be, well, it would be unplayable for this week's game. Uh, the Legion pretty much dictated the tempo with their physical carries a bit like the Raptors. They attempted to play a wide up tempo attack. Uh, the rain kind of stopped that, but they also did some powerful carrying up the middle. And unlike the Raptors, they broke the game line with some hard meters with carries by Patty Ryan and Kenny Nozikek. Hello, Ty Inosa. Where have you been? Welcome back from the rugby wilderness. Uh, honestly, uh, so Joe Peterson goes out uh, early in the second half, and I think without Ty Nosa uh, on this team, to, he's a 9-10 hybrid guy, uh, isn't a kicker, but they have a kicker who plays nine. Um, you know, I, I don't think they win this game because he, what he was able to do, uh, you know, with his carries, with his distribution, it, it really was, it, it helped get them things done. But here's the thing. So let's talk about scrummaging. I think Patty Ryan, the Wallaby, the Australian, is the top tight head prop in the league. Uh, Whether it's in the open field, he can carry the ball and get you meters, but, man, he manhandled all of Khalifi and Kellen Gordon. Uh, You know, they couldn't get him. His core strength and posterior chain is just there. Uh, they were popping out and trying to bore on him, and it just wasn't happening. And when he took over as captain, he was like, Scotty, Scotty, you better call penalty on this. Uh, Olive Khalifi was lucky to not get a yellow, uh, especially when Phil Mack had already been sent off with the yellow. Uh, Nate Sylvia continues to show that he's drastically improved. He was up against Tim Metcher, and, uh, you know, it was pretty even on the, the loose head, tie head prop side. Uh, for San Diego uh, and Seattle. But uh, here's a question. So I know if Mac gets called up to Canada, they have JP. What happens if Brock Stoller gets called up? Because right now, SEMA isn't healthy. Do they have another goal kicker? I mean, they've got Scott Dean, but didn't really see much of him. Well, the question is always, do they have a viable uh, replacement? Because there's always pulling people, you know, like out of squad, you know, local squads and stuff like that. I've seen it done down here in Houston, but no, with with Seamus health being what it is, I, I can't think of off the top of my head, somebody who might be a viable replacement. Now, not to say that there isn't a replacement, especially in development. There could, there very, very well could be just not a rugby household name. So what do you think of this thing? Oh, well, if you want my opinion, uh, I, I think, this was a, this was a game by San Diego that I almost wanted to see them run away with, especially considering that in the first half it just seemed like they were playing a little bit more complete. But like you said, 
I think the the the, uh, the rain. Oh, by the way, did, uh, by the way, did you guys know it was raining during this match? I don't know if we uh, mentioned that. But what the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, I think I saw Wilson floating by, freaking with Tom Hanks trying to follow him at, at some point during the half. I, I don't know. It was, oh, it, was okay. it, it was really blurry. <laughs> illustrate how wet it was. Did you see how much water jumped up from the air during Mikey Teo's diving try? That he just then slid into the wall. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I didn't. Co- I didn't consciously yeah, take note of it, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a whole lot. But I, basically, I was trying to put. I was trying to put this up a minute ago. Here, I'll show you the photo I found from. Uh, this is from Seattle's Twitter feed. So, hold it up here. That's yeah, that, not that, very that, clear, but suffice it to yeah. say. We don't have any sponsors yet, so we can't exactly just bring up any graphics for uh, you guys to show. So we got to, you know, be innovative. But here's the thing, Liam. So their first game last year, Seattle got three penalty tries on San Diego. This time, uh, San Diego got a penalty try. No, it it might just kind of speak to the fact that San San Diego – um, you know, kind of like in the way that NOLA is. They're becoming a more complete team, having play, played, you know, another full season together, whereas Seattle, you know, def- definitely returned a, a lot of uh, great players, but they're, they're definitely a team in transition, especially uh, coming off that coaching snafu for the second season in a row. There might be, you know, who knows, there might, there might be some disconnect there. But like you said, I thought San Diego did a really good job of compensating with the rain. Their line speed was a little bit inhibited, uh, you know, by the slickness of the ball. But they were able to counter that by just running up the middle and making sure that they controlled the possession. Uh, Seattle, you would think, you know, with some of the players that they have, you know, unfortunately, Billy got uh, injured. But other people like that might have been able to uh, run the same kind of game plan. But this is kind of the Seattle team that people were hoping to see last year that was very versatile um, in both the inside and the outside. And I think they did a really good job at, uh, you know, at, com- at coming against Seattle, being the defending champions and making sure that they were able to defend their home uh, pitch. Honestly, I, and as for some of the people saying online that the rain, you know, is the reason that Seattle may have lost or, you know, was a big factor. Last time I checked, it barely rains in San Diego. It rains a lot in Seattle. You know, the the slickness of the pitch would notwithstanding. uh, But like I said, you got to find ways to kind of counter that. I think the rain is what stops San Diego from beating the brakes off of Seattle. That's my Mm -hmm. opinion. Um, they were, they, man, there's, there's some bad, you want to see some bad blood, Seattle, Glendale, Seattle, San Diego, like they, they're getting after it. Um, yeah, uh, two, I guess, um, injury update on this game. Uh, Billy, uh, was putting an air cast. He has a lower extremity injury. I'm told that he's out indefinitely, uh, and he may be back towards the, the last, I guess, last third of the season, but uh, don't really know about confirmation of that yet. So, which really sucks because Billy's becoming a much more marketable name, uh, you know, as rugby starts to grow, especially up in that area where Seattle's been so successful uh, at reaching out to the community. Uh, you know, the, the, don't get me wrong, the hair is a big part of it, but the way that he just plays on the field and the fact that he always has a smile on his face off of it. Uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that we're going to be missing uh, seeing that that hairdo of Billy uh, on the field for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and then Joe Peterson for San Diego is in concussion protocol, and he's out for at least the next two 
games. So um, I was doing some math and I was trying to figure this out. So Nick Boyer, he, he was their goal kicker when Peterson uh, left the field. He um, got a conversion and then was one of two for penalties. Um, so Owdsley is with the Eagles. Kearns can kick, but um, – and so uh, that, that, that gives you only one kicking option if Nick Boyer gets called into uh, the Eagles. And, but the question is, who's the other nine? Because Inoso is a 9-10. I, I don't know. I need to look at that roster again. Um, but, yeah, so um, they're a little thin in the backs right now. Um, hopefully, uh, if you know if Nick gets called up to the Eagles, Dylan Augsley comes back. Uh, also, yes, Nate Augsburger plays nine very effectively, so you got him. But he's not a goal kicker. That's, I mean, I'm not really worried about the scrum halfing. I'm worried about the goal kicking. So, um, yeah, so that's San Diego. Uh, I think uh, we'll we'll get into that preview a little later. But uh, Corey, before we go over the Chile game. We, yes. Um, let's 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 talk about Santiago Arada getting the freaking red card. Oh my god! Card. Hold on. So can can I just can I please explain this from my point of view? So we're in Dallas on Saturday, right? And like I said, there was a number of SaberCat players uh, playing on the West Houston Lions during the bye week. You know, including Joe Kelly, Kieran Farmer, Matt Alameda, and a few, and a few other uh, academy players. And next thing you know, like, people just start whispering, Santiago got a red card. Santiago got a red card. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Santiago got a red card. Is, you know, could he potentially get suspended for the upcoming, you know, MLR game or when, whenever he's slated to return? But then when it really started to get, you know, crazy is that uh, people started looking at the footage. Uh, there's a group chat of all the Sabercat players uh, on, a, on, the what's, on WhatsApp. And next thing you know, everybody's just showing their phones to one another, looking at the hit. And it's a straight-up Hardy Boys flying DDT type shit. And everybody who knows Santi, he's a really, really nice kid. He's, you know, and he's, not, he's a really small dude. So the fact that he got a dangerous tackle was confusing the hell out of everybody until we saw the footage. And, yeah, so that, that was an interesting night uh, at the social in Dallas. And, you know, hopefully Santi, you know, comes – comes out okay from any uh from any consequences uh like i said he's a great dude doesn't really deserve to get punished all that hard but hey you know it's rugby yeah so and just just for clarity's sake that was um uruguay's match against canada that that occurred in yeah yeah. uruguay won this match 20 to 17 uh, Santiago Arada takes this red card at 15 minutes. So they are playing uh, a man for 65 minutes. And they just, they just lose it. Uh, if Santiago doesn't take a red, they win by 20 points. Whew. That's a, uh, that, that's a uh, bold assumption there, boy. Got the britches to back that up. Uh, well, I mean, they won. So the Terros, Los Teros won by three points, a man down. They have a, if they have a Rada, their first choice nine on the pitch. Yeah. They, they win by 20 points. I mean, look at how they played last year. So, uh, to, to think about it, but, uh, on to Chile. Los yeah, and, real, 
And real quick, while we're talking about other scores, so yeah, uh, Uruguay down Canada uh, 20 to 17, and Argentina 15s, just to mention them as well in the ARC, took care of Brazil 54 to 3. So uh, there's a couple pretty lopsided games for sure, including uh, U.S. versus Chile. Uh, yeah, we took care of that one. Uh, it was 71 to 8 was the final score. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, all of our concerns about the traveling and the altitude and all that good stuff really was for naught. They were just fine. Everything was It was, was tongue-in-cheek. We were just looking for stuff to talk about. Elevation might be a factor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I... Th- I, I take the score uh, as really proof of American generosity. We let them have eight points. We didn't have to. But, you know, I thought maybe it would let them feel good about something about themselves a little. Um, There's a lot yeah. of political jokes I can make off that, but I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Liam, what was your thoughts right off the bat on this one? So I was only able to uh, really watch some highlights uh, of this game. However, it's it's definitely not su- surprising. Uh, you know, all of our players have a significant, uh, significantly uh, you know great greater options uh, in terms of getting minutes, uh, both professionally and amateurly. Uh, our training, you know, to, you know, not to put down not to put down uh, Chile's uh, you know training staff, but I think ours is definitely on a, a, f- a few levels above. Um, it's all about minutes, and uh, the fact you know, fact of the matter is, is that Chile's players just don't have that on pitch experience compared to some of the U.S. players. Uh, but like Corey said, it's great that they, you know, didn't get shut out. It shows a, a degree of resiliency in them um, that you definitely want to see in rugby. Uh, but yeah, no, overall, pretty much what we expected in terms of the outcome. Wow, so, that was a lot nicer than what I remember saying, Liam. Thank you. Um, do, you so, do you want to be my editor? <laughs> so, <laughs> Los Condores. Pablo Lemoine is... Uh, well, he's Chile's fourth coach in four years. So they've had four different coaches for every ARC. It's like the Cleveland Browns of international rugby. Uh, so 11 tries in this game for us. Odd McGinty with a hat trick. Uh, it's, you know, it's, all, it's, it's all about as good a training run as we could get, honestly. I don't think we scrum that well. I'm not sure if uh, we intended – actually, I think we intended to scrum this way to just not – like kill ourselves, but also I don't know if running over their scrum every time they put the ball in would actually help us learn it all uh, because we could have done that. Uh, but you see how we want to play, uh, put the ball on the ground and attack running rugby, powerful carry and play three dimensional rugby. Uh, good to see, like I said, good to see Odge back on form and ready for the premiership season. Will McGee at fullback uh, during the autumn, it, he really didn't look like he was settled back there, but the intent uh, in this game, you, you, he knew what he was doing at, at 15. Uh, he's a, it gives you when you want to play the second five eights concept uh, instead of having a, a second five eights at 12, which as we've seen, doesn't always work and hasn't worked for us in the past when we've done that, you have a, you know, a fly half playing at fullback, whether it's Will Hooley or Will McGee, you know, you're good to go. And guess what? For 12, Paul Asike, he can distribute and he can still put the ball down with his foot as well. Don Skippy. Okay. 
Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting. We'll uh, in just a little bit we'll kind of talk about what we got coming up for the U.S. next week. But for right now, um, thought this might be a good opportunity for us to kind of go through and uh, yeah, see how we did on our predictions, which uh, as we mentioned at the top was not well. So, uh, do you guys want to tell me your predictions, or you want me just to read them off? Well, How do you want to run this? Just read those off, and then we'll get into the new new. We'll make some okay. comments. So, last week, uh, we had Utah beating Austin 17-9. Uh, Aaron, you said Austin by 5. Liam said Utah by 5, and I said Austin by 3. So, good work, Liam. Okay, uh, Glendale at NOLA. We had NOLA winning 40-31. to 31. Aaron, you're the one that picked Nola on that one uh, by two. Uh, Liam and I both had Glendale. Liam by seven, me by ten. Uh, Seattle at San Diego. San Diego won 17-13. Uh, we all picked Seattle for that one. Uh, <laughs> so I think we just kind of move on. And then the last one was uh, USA versus Chile. And uh, we all had USA, so good on us on that. Um, Aaron, you were the closest saying they'd win by 30. Still a little ways off, though. <laughs> <laughs> Liam and I were both uh Liam had 21 I said 20 so that's um, that's where we're at so with the wins this weekend wins and losses in MLR where's that put us in the standings Aaron so so New Orleans is clearing uh, away at the top with 10 bo- with 10 total points on the table they have two wins uh San Diego moves to being tied with their victory over Seattle uh both are one and one and they both have five bonus points total. And then Utah moves to uh, fourth, but really tied uh, for fourth with New York and Houston with four bonus points. Both all three teams have played one game and have one victory. uh, And the other teams were on a bye. Uh, Toronto is at seventh uh, with two bonus points. So basically tied with Glendale, but however, they've only played one game. So they are half game up on Glendale, and then Austin is bottom of the table with one bonus point and two losses. <laughs> Rough stuff, but uh, looking pretty good for Nola. Holy cow! I, I that makes me happy. I don't yeah. know. It just Nola, Nola goal, go way to go, guys. I mean, I talk about Nola being good, and apparently, I was apparently I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you're I thought always we, wrong, uh, Aaron. I thought we oh, yeah. to come in don't last you, Don't you know it's all your fault? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. So this week coming up, off the top, we will have Toronto at Austin. That's available Friday night on Facebook Watch. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Austin by three on this one. I think they're going to. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think they're going to win. Mm. Liam. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go. Yeah, I, I should just go ahead and uh, tell you guys I don't have the script in front of me because I'm on my phone, so you have to kind of remind picked, me when it's my. You picked. I, yeah, no, uh, sorry. Toronto I, I, so, minus twelve. So. Yep. So, d- uh, d- despite the fact that Toronto um, is missing a is missing a bunch of people to the ARC, something about uh, Austin just tells me that their squad might be in trouble schematically. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the big risk on this one. I'm gonna say double digit uh, victory for Toronto. I wouldn't. So. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if I get this wrong, but I'm going Toronto minus five. And I, I just think their their system is intact. They played better. 
They, they played pretty well against Nola. I think Nola sort of surprised us in, in week one, but not in week two. Uh, and, you know, even with some guys gone uh, this week, well, I guess most of their guys gone this week, I still think that they've got a shot uh, to take this one away from Austin because they just weren't there this last week against Utah. Mm-hmm. And that that game is on at 8 p.m. Eastern, by the way. Uh, oh, Saturday. That means, uh, that means I'll be home in time from grad school to uh, scout players. Nice. Okay, Saturday, we have got Houston at San Diego, and this is the CBS Sports Network Game of the Week. That is at 10 p.m. Saturday night. Uh, Aaron, what do you think on this one? Oh, I'm going hardcore San Diego, even with uh, Joe Peterson out. I think Ty Anos is going to be more than enough at 10. They're going to keep Nick Boyer this week, and, uh, you know, they've like we like we've just discussed, uh, they they actually have a few more goal kickers on their twenty three from last week. Uh, Connor Kearns and Kyle Rogers on the bench, so they've got weapons. It's a, I they're going to out scrum Houston. I know Liam's going to try and tell me something, but uh, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, uh, it is. It is going to happen. Uh, Houston's front row um, is, you know, of of Pat O'Toole, uh, you know, of Jamie Deaver and of uh, Charlie Connolly. Assuming that Charlie Connolly is going to be healthy enough uh, to go, if not, Matt Almeida is more than capable of stepping in at either prop position. Um, it's yeah. No, overall, it's just a great front row, and San Diego isn't going to be able to match. Now. Houston defensively has been preparing for this game. Uh, They've had a whole week to go over film. I edited all the film. I've seen how much they've been studying. Neil Kelly has been taking a much more active role in terms of preparing the defense based on that film study. He's tailoring uh, practices, you know, you know, much more intricately to how to respond to a particular opponent. And the fact is that Houston has some great defensive pieces that sometimes last year they didn't always gel. Um, I think offensively, San, Di- San Diego leaves a whole lot of gaps because they'd like to spre- uh, spread it wide to, in order to contain their opponents out wide. I think Houston's going to be able to attack those gaps in the middle. Um, they, ha- they have some great, really versatile players in the scrum who, who can uh, handle the ball in hand. Uh, we've seen people like Bo Camp. We've seen people like Matt Truville. And as- especially then in the back row, you have Malachi Esdale. Hopefully, Joshua Viti and Osea Kalinasau are going to be healthy. They're going to be huge game breakers. I just don't see San Diego after two weeks, uh, two straight weeks of games, uh, going against Houston, who has a, who just had a week off to prepare, um, being able to overcome. So, yeah, I'm going to go Houston by three on this one. Fair enough. And I'm going to go ahead and back San Diego um, just because I, I think that they've got something working for them. I really do. And – Houston, I've just I'm never sure about. I think it depends on which Houston team shows up that week. So uh, I'm putting San Diego by seven at home, and then on Sunday. So we got three days of games here. So we got Sunday, 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 Sunday is uh, Seattle at Nola. It should be a fun game. Uh, that is Sunday at four p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. So uh, Liam. Uh, you got your numbers for the NOLA game? Yeah, and I believe I went uh, NOLA by two. Um, I, yep, uh, darn right, I remembered it. Uh, I, I'm done betting against NOLA. Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've learned my lesson. However, in, 
out of all the games that we're predicting this week, I think this is the one that I could possibly be wrong on. Uh, but I'm going to give uh, Osborne's crew the benefit of the doubt. And like I said, NOLA minus two. I learned my lesson last year by betting against Seattle. Um, so <laughs> even though I did this week and was wrong, I'm going to go ahead and not bet against them again and say uh, no, or say Seattle by 10 on Sunday. Ooh. That's cute. Uh, gold, <laughs> gold will rain. Sassy. Gold rain. It's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm going Nola minus eight at home. Uh, they're, they're just going to dictate the tempo very early on. It's going to be a high-scoring game. The issue for Seattle, though, is their attack. Uh, will Richie Walker have had the time to install some more, uh, some more concepts to get them more wide open uh, when they go down to NOLA. Uh, weather, again, is going to play as a factor for this team. Uh, you know, they went into a storm down in San Diego. Uh, for NOLA, it's just going to be hot for them because they got home. The Seawolves landed, and there was a foot of snow on the ground in Seattle. So it's cold right now in the Pacific Northwest, courtesy of Polar Vortex, courtesy of Mother Winter. Even though Puxatawney Phil came out and saw his shadow so uh, you know, winter is ending early. There's going to be an early spring and all that. Uh, Noel have the depth. Uh, if, if Kingsley has called anyone into camp, I wonder uh, if Phil Mack and Brock Stuller are gone. And, you know, hopefully they do need a back row back. And that would be uh, now Kai Penny coming out of Canada camp and going back. That would be a fair trade, right? Brock Stuller and Phil Mack for Nakai Penny. I mean, not, it's not really fair. Uh, I, I, I think not Phil really, Mack as a leader is it, – well, yeah, no, that, that would it, be worth it's, it to it's them. Not, it's, it's not really fair, but they need no. uh, they need a back row, and uh, Kingsley needs a goal kicker because Theo Souter did not, uh, did not get it done against Uruguay. Because if he makes one of, his, one of his misconversions and one of his missed penalties, he, was, he missed two conversions and he missed two penalties, you know, they, they still win that game by two. Um, but, uh, so they're going to need the leadership of Phil Mack and Canada camp. I don't think that he, he or Stoller have been called up, but, uh, we'll see. Um, but still gold rain. Let's go. Sorry about that. So we will see what happens there. Sorry. I was just looking up the start time for the uh, next game here. Uh, we also on, yes, on Saturday at, uh, 3 PM Eastern is, USA versus Argentina, and this one is being played in Argentina. Uh, so, Aaron, what you got on that one? Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, to, to go into that one, I'm going USA minus five. It's a little close, but our first victory over them was just last year in the ARC in the previous two editions. We scored draws against uh, the Argentina 15. And, you know... Uh, they put a thumping on Brazil. I mean, we're going to put a thumping on Brazil, but it just made me think a little bit. But if you look at the way that game went, uh, we've got a better scrum than Brazil does, and Brazil ate them up. So that's all about backline and just winning tackles and what Argentina 15 was. Yes, I might be conservative, but I could see us opening up and winning, winning by 15 points. But I'm going USA minus five because – you know, it, you know, historically, right now, two draws 
and a win by seven is not much to hold on to. <laughs> well, um, you know, in, in the same respect that you said, Argentina has a lot going for it. Um, but I think I, I think our edge in the scrum, um, especially with some of our playmakers, like, you know, in, in the backfield, um, you know, it's, um, like it all comes down to the fact that we ha- we've had more minutes uh, pro- played professionally by all of our uh, options, uh, thanks to MLR. And so I think that that's a big reason why our team's on the upswing. So I'm going to go yeah, USA minus 10. I'm not sure if that's what I put on the script, but that's what I'm fucking guessing now. Yeah, you were close. I think you had USA minus seven uh, earlier in the day. So, yeah. hey, being more optimistic. There's nothing wrong with that. Fuck right. I'm not being optimistic. I'm going to go ahead and call it a draw. I guess that's neither being pessimistic nor optimistic. That's being very neutral. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a hard game, and I think, uh, yeah, I'll come out even. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just a quick shout, and we don't have any predictions for this one, but there is a scrimmage on Saturday between uh, the New England Free Jacks traveling to the Utah Warriors. Um, and I do not think there's any streaming or anything associated with this one. This is just a scrimmage. They're going out there to get their uh, get their boots wet, so... Uh, anybody have anything to add to that one? I I just don't like this whole like for for free jacks. Good for them for Utah. I mean, it's a bye week, man. You're supposed to use bye weeks for bye week activities. You're supposed to you're supposed to win against bye team. And guess what? Now bye team is the free jacks. Yep. Uh, you know well. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased in this one. However, we can't uh, forget the fact that the Free Jacks really took it to Rooney, uh, only losing by three points in the preseason. I think this this could be a trap scrimmage game, trap game for, for Utah. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and go with my hometown for the hell of it. I'm going to go uh, with uh, Boston minus three. If we even get a score. Yeah, I was going to say, we may never know. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll text somebody on the team. Bob Bobberson. <laughs> You were deploying to Utah for the scrimmage. Well, you yeah. live in Utah, but uh, go go Her- find out what's going on. Harriman, Harriman, Utah. You're going to Harriman. Thank you. Uh, take a camera. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, transactions. Do we got anybody moving and shaking this week? Yes. Yeah, so Ask as a, as I said, Scott Dean uh, was picked up by Seattle, and he played last week uh, in the number twenty three jersey. Uh, for the Seawolves, and then, well, I know where he's going, um, but you will find out. I thought it was today, but you'll find out tomorrow. But Tony Lamborn is coming. Pay attention. What? It's happening. (laughs) It's really happening. And and for me, the only transaction that I have is uh, Kelly Kohlberg of the Dallas Reds is now an official part of the Houston Sabercats. Uh, he's you put him on the pitch, man. What was that like? Uh, like he was he was on the roster and he played. Yeah. he's he's a dude. Kelly's the man, yo. Fucking like uh, like straight up like one of the first people to say hello to me every time like we're we're at practice. So uh, yeah, I got a lot of love for Kelly, man. Plus the, the dude is such a hard worker, especially in practice. He puts his head down and he's all, he's asking questions of the coaches and he, you see him just like, you know, dissecting information mentally. Uh, you know, he, he definitely looks the, uh, the part of a good old boy from Texas, you know, a little bit on the mullet side, but yeah, no, overall, I think it's a great signing by Houston. I think Kelly, uh, you know, he definitely has something special 
Well, he didn't. He doesn't have as bad a mullet as Cecil. <laughs> Dude, Cecil owns it though. Like, <laughs> no, straight up, man. Like he knows darn well what he looks like. <laughs> if, if like like I'll shout every now and again to Cecil. It's like, can you hear what Fitzy's saying with that party in the back, man? And <laughs> he's all about it. <laughs> okay, guys, I think it's time for my favorite segment of the week. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. We have got questions from Bob. That's right. Okay. He who walks slow is our first submitter, and he who walks slow would like to know, slowly, if the MLR put together a sevens team to compete in the HSBC Tour, who would you want to be on the team? Country of origin doesn't apply here. Uh, so I can't... Like I said, I don't have my script in front of me. However, I'm pretty sure that I went with Arada, Joshua Vithi, uh, Malachi Esdale, uh, Osea Kalinasau, Ryan Matias. Um, Corey, you're going to have to remind me who my last two were on uh, this. Uh, Boyer and Pangelin. Pangelinen. and Pangelinen? Zach Pangelinen? Yes, thank I'm, you. I'll be sending him this link uh, <laughs> later on, but... Uh, yeah, no, I I, de- I definitely went uh, with speed, but in terms of with like with Matias and Boyer, uh, you know, I think that they they the two of them in particular have a physical aspect, you know, in terms of getting through tackles. Uh, obviously, tackling Joshua Vithi is going to be a hard time for anybody. The way he keeps his feet moving in contact. Uh, yeah, Aaron, what do you got? So I've got I I, I changed the pick. Uh, so, but I've got Phil Mack, Ryan Matias. Joshua VC, uh, Osea Kalinasau, Johnny Moonlight, Josavera Malua, and Matt Turner. Fair enough. And I got nothing to add to this one. I think you guys have these pretty <laughs> down pats. So oh, I'm just yeah. going to move on to uh, a question from Bob B. Bobberson here, Bob. our namesake for this segment. What are your way too early predictions for coaches in the hot seat? Will there be any coaching changes after this season? Aaron? Um, I don't know. I, I it, it, it depends. <laughs> it really does. Um, you know, people talked about the hot seat in Houston. Uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, Justin Fitzpatrick went one and seven. Blah, blah. People also talked about Nate Osborne last year. People also talked about Alan Yarday last year. AER is 0-2 this season. Houston is 1-0. and Noah is 2-0 and are top the standings, and, the, and they're healthy. So I guess there's some warmish seats in Texas for now. But, uh, you know, by warm, I mean 33 degrees. So um, now if you, if you want to ask – Fahrenheit. Uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> Fahrenheit. So one above freezing, one degree above freezing. But, uh, I, you, you know, it's a way too early prediction, but I think we'll have more of an idea – uh, you know, after the midpoint in the season. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to. As an MLR uh, employee, I will not be commenting on well, this. You're uh, you're a you're a team employee. So yeah, so you don't need to be throwing shade at anyone. <laughs> I, <laughs> no. As a as an M, as an MLR employee, uh, I'm also neutral, um, which is why I said it's 33 degrees because I I don't freaking know. Like it, it's way too early. That's why you asked me for way too early predictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so yeah, my only thought on this one is once again, I'm a complete outsider. So I, yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to state up front that my opinions are based on absolutely nothing, no <laughs> facts, no inside knowledge. Uh, but I, after last season, and if things don't get better this season, I honestly, goodness, believe that Fitzy may be in trouble. Um, and that's my worry because I think he's probably one of the nicer guys in uh, in the sport. But I Absolutely. just don't know if he's yep. going to stick around with the Sabercats for a third season if they don't uh, start doing something down there. That's my that's my two cents. I have no idea otherwise. But yeah, AAR, whew, they got to they got to do something down there. So I think Texas is kind of the tough the rough spot right now. But we can always look at Utah too and see what they end up doing. So. Uh, I mean, the nice thing about Seattle is, uh, you know, they don't, you never know who's going to be the coach. So I guess. <laughs> <laughs> don't really have to worry about that one. <laughs> oh, wow. This just in everybody on Seattle appointed the head coach. <laughs> Coaching by committee. That'd go great. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it worked out. There's, def- there's uh, definitely you know? no ego in rugby, so yeah, everybody will be great. Hey, 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 it worked out last season. You know, chair, <laughs> chair, chairman of the committee was Phil Mack, and you know they they won a championship. I guess you know it worked out. Mm-hmm. That's so sure it'll work out this That's year. It did. But, That's uh, it did. but good luck to Richie Walker uh, for you know taking the taking the. The helm of Seattle Seawings. Yeah. All right. Over on Twitter, Augie Rugger 2010 wants to know, or Aggie Rugger, sorry. Augie. I, I, I think Auger. every person in Texas just had a stroke listening to you yeah, say like, that. Augie. Well, fortunately, we don't have anyone in Texas. That, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aggie Rugger 2010. Will Austin's out- outreach at South by Southwest SEO allow them to expand marketing reach and improve their fan activation? Okay, so I got to admit that I kind of missed this story altogether. I guess I did see one headline on it, but um, South by Southwest, for those of you not informed, is a big kind of arts, culture, music, technology festival uh, held every spring in Austin. Um, and so I guess the team is getting involved over there. I, I don't know. Can anybody fill me in on this one? So I asked about this. Um, so Austin Elite, uh, they're bringing in brand ambassadors from across the city and the region. Uh, you know, this guy, the CEO is of South by Southwest, is just the first one. Um, and South by Southwest is, uh, you know, I feel like the arts and the culture aspect has really died down compared to the the technology portion of it because it really, I mean, Austin city limits is a big uh, music festival, but South by Southwest also used to have a big like music uh, portion to this, but the technology portion of like, I guess the stool, the three legs or the tripod has really taken over of late. Um, So uh, when it comes to getting the word out, uh, he's a good guy to, to get the word out. Now, hopefully that means some team involvement at South by Southwest uh, for engagement of new fans. Yeah. Well, I mean, Austin's always one of those places where new things are encouraged to be tried. So 
you know, honestly, the, like American rugby is a really big experimental field in terms of trying to like reach uh, new markets and you know new audiences. So I'm all for this. Uh, you know, all, all, all for anybody who's thinking creatively. All right. Uh, Tobar the Gypsy ask. Is Ooh, I there wonder any who this inter- is. Who's yeah. that guy? And this actually came off an email thread, not necessarily off Reddit. So, <laughs> in all honesty, Tobar wants to know. <laughs> is there any interest in having a premiership uh, club play in the U.S. again? All uh, a few years ago when it was Saracens and Newcastle. Saracens and somebody? Newcastle at Talent Energy and then Saracens, London Irish at Red Bull Arena. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interest is never going to die down because American, the American rugby market is only going to be getting bigger. So I'm sure, you know, conversations are continuing uh, in, in some sense, you know, from France to Ireland to England to every other uh, place that has a professional league. So I'm ready for it. Just not in the fall, guys. We, we saw the experiments. Your, your event promoter said, told you what was going to happen. And, um, you know, you just... the cultural phenomenon that is football just takes a hold of this country. As we saw yesterday for the Super Bowl, there was like a hundred million Americans watching just the Super Bowl. So there is that, but um, let, you know, let's talk about a double header, Uh, a Rooney uh, rugby United New York versus DC game as the, as the, the opener. And then, um, you know who Bath Rugby? You got to get two recognizable names. So like Bath versus Gloucester Saracens. or something. Yeah. Bath Gloucester versus Saracens. Bath Gloucester versus Wasp. You got to get the big clubs because the big clubs have supporters out here. Uh, Sar- Newcastle, eh? Maybe I don't the know. Falcons. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just. Get it done. Um, uh, they were supposed to have a fixture in the spring this year uh, after the fall 2017 one didn't work out. But I guess for some reason, I mean, this is all conjecture. This is based on stuff I've read uh, in the news back in the fall and also on Reddit um, that the home team didn't want to give up a spring home fixture, even though I know they get paid extra for this. So... Just make it happen. Let's grow mm-hmm. the game. We, we, we want it. Excellent. All right. Uh, a couple more here. Then we'll uh, let everybody go home. Uh, Rugger underscore 11. Uh, this is a long one, so bear with me. Oh, boy. Could uh, New England Patriots N- Nate Ebner be a viable MLR owner in Columbus considering the new downtown MLS stadium that will be built, success of the Ohio Aviators Pro Rugby Club uh, achieved during their short existence, and his local popularity within Columbus Rugby. Okay. So uh, Ebner is an NFL player who uh, cut his teeth on rugby back in the day and appeared on the USA Olympics seven squad in 20, uh, 16? 16. 16. So, uh, with that said, 
Who wants to take so, this one? This is a lot. So, <laughs> so, so right now, Nate Ebner is one of Belichick's most trusted uh, special teams players, probably next to Matthew Slater. And as long as he's staying healthy, I don't see the Patriots trying to let him go anytime soon as long as he's still you know, a viable player, especially in the blocking scheme with, like, uh, uh, during the punt game. Uh, you know, we saw in the Super Bowl, you know, just how important that was with the with the Rams uh, being so great, like you know, at at, uh, at rushing the punter. Now that being said, just because somebody is rich doesn't mean they're going to be a good owner, or that they're you know, or just because they're making NFL money doesn't mean they just want to start writing checks to you know whatever uh, you know tickles their fancy. Being an being an MLR owner is just as time consuming as it can, uh, can be to be an NFL owner. And you don't exactly see former players cutting checks uh, to be NFL owners, um, you know, every day. Or I mean, that's in the billions of dollars. But still, you know, it, it's it's not something that I think somebody can just open up their checkbook and automatically be good at. Um, it w- would it be cool if he was like one of the core investors? You know, that's that's something that's probably a more feasible and realistic in terms of uh, in terms of where his career would probably go uh, after the Patriots or while he's still on the Patriots. But don't I wouldn't be expecting Nate Ebner to take a active role, um, you know, like as like a face of a franchise uh, in in and uh, in any capacity. Uh, could Nate Ebner be part of an ownership group for an Ohio team? Sure. <laughs> I mean, he's got some he's got some coin. Um, he also says this is the weird part. I'm pretty sure he's getting an extension from New England because Matt Slater has gotten an extension. So when is he going to give rugby a try? Because guess what? He's on two and a half million a year right now with his current contract. It was a two year deal, but it extends through the 2019 season. So he's not a, uh, a free agent until uh, the 20 right before, like, you know, I think it's February 10th or something, 2020. And, so I'm pretty sure they're going to re-sign him. Yeah, it, so, it also it can't be overlooked. The McCourty twins are also contemplating retirement right now. And so Belichick is somebody who really likes to have depth safety. And, you know, Ebner technically being a safety, you know, only adds to that. So, I mean, Nate's, Nate can be an owner. Yep. Why not? Um, he's one of the most recognizable names in American rugby. Uh, he the, the interesting whole part of that is, I think that's like in response to a question, I guess, him stating that when he's done with football, he will play rugby. But I think he's, for what he does, he's got plenty of time on the football field left. And uh, no, no rugby club in the world could pay him what he's making right now. Just saying. Go go for the big so bucks, not, baby. So he's not going to get scalped anytime soon to come play in MLR, is what you're saying? No, no, no. He still okay. has a job to do up there, up here. Or, yeah, not going to moonlight on the free jacks. <laughs> <laughs> Last question of the night. It, gosh, this sounds familiar, uh, but we'll go ahead and ask it. USA Rugby fan wants to know: Can I now purchase? NOLA playoff tickets, or is it still too early? To which I would say, you do you, man. Hey, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy. Honestly, I mean, like, 
Yeah, do it. Yeah, just do it. Like as long as you, as long as you're not getting like a Nola, like you know, 2019 MLR champions tattoo. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, man, hey, you do. You hey, know. they they are the they are the top of the table team. If you can find a place where they sell Nola gold playoff tickets, I'm sure Tim Falcon and Ryan Fitzgerald will take your money. You know what? I'll, I'm just gonna. I'll put just put this out there. If uh, if anybody here has the balls to get a Nola uh, Nola MLR Champions tattoo for 2019, <laughs> we'll pin you to the top of Reddit all season, dude. We'll we'll, we'll keep it up there. <laughs> you you guys cool with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have to we have to verify this somehow so it's not just Photoshop though. Yeah. <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're good. I think uh, yeah. I think I'll ask you guys if you have any final thoughts. Then I'll read some legal stuff, um, and we'll get going. Um, what was it? Uh, where where is that BS sort of thing? I know we're supposed to talk about. Um, Long Island Rugby Football Club is hosting a Rugby United New York Combine. Uh, you know what do you, what do you got? Uh, guess what? High school players. Because they're they're scouting players for the academy, uh, college players because they're scouting players for the academy, and club players because they're scouting players to bring in to the senior side. So if you want to make uh, rugby united or get a futures contract or whatever, Long Island Rugby Football Club is hosting the combine this Sunday, the tenth. Check them out. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm still hungover from the Super Bowl last night, so I'm feeling great. Go Patriots! <laughs> and I guess about all I've got to say on the way out is uh, screw the Patriots. Uh, you guys suck. I mean, you don't suck because you win all the time, but I hate you. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week. We will be back here live on YouTube Monday night and available for download Wednesday morning as always. Uh, if you like what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. It helps folks find us and helps us spread the good news of Major League Rugby. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or via email at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. We will uh, see you next week, and until then, go out and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.